Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who've experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week we are talking about service animals. My name is Emily Mitchell and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today I have Detective Susan Ellis Cloucher. Susan is a detective with the Osceola County Sheriff's Office in the Special Investigations Unit, or SIU, working crimes against children and sex crimes. She has been with the Sheriff's Office for almost 21 years, working 18 of those as a detective, and has been in the SIU for 17 of those years. Almost three years ago, Susan was blessed to start using her dog, Murphy, as the Sheriff's Office first therapy dog, helping to relax children that have been victims of abuse before law enforcement has to interview them. Susan, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. And also, I know that this is just audio, but Murphy is also physically here (laughs) with us. Um, Equally as excited. (laughs) So we're also excited about that, too. Um, And I also have Jocelyn Reyes. Jocelyn is a bilingual crisis counselor slash victim advocate at the VSC. Jocelyn obtained her bachelor's degree in criminal justice and her master's in human services. She recently moved down to Florida a year ago and is a huge animal lover. Jocelyn, thank you as well for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to finally be doing a podcast. Me too. I know. It's it's amazing how some, it's like we need all the advocates on here. So I'm really excited to have you here too. So thank you so much. As a brief introduction, traditionally, service animals have aided those with blindness, deafness, or other individuals with physical disabilities. But in more recent times, service or therapy animals have been seen to help the mental health of people, particularly those suffering from PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. So what we're looking to explore in this episode is what makes an animal a therapy animal? How do therapy animals help victims and survivors of crime, particularly of sexual assault? And how can you know if a therapy animal would be right for you? So with that in mind, I wanted to start off, Susan, could you tell me a little bit about your partner, Murphy, and the work that you do together? Definitely, definitely. 
So um, Murphy's actually my own personal dog. Um, at home, we have a shepherd husky mix as well that sheds a puppy a day. Um, he was a rescue dog. We got him from a pet rescue by Judy and we love him to death, but the dog hair was driving us insane. And <laughs> so we always like to have two dogs uh, to keep each other company. And so um, I we were in St. Augustine one day and we saw all these people going crazy over this dog. And it was this awesome golden doodle. And the guy I then said the magical words that not only are they great with children, uh, but they don't shed. And instantly we were like, oh, that's what we need. So um, I have two little girls myself. So we had gotten Murphy as a puppy um, it for Christmas for our girls. Uh, this year will be four years ago. So then um, I went, I was in a school, um, you know, as a detective, we do continuing education. We do uh, stings at the sheriff's office, uh, kind of like the to catch a predator type stings, looking for online predators, trying to solicit children. So I was in a school in South Florida, uh, learning how to do that. And a guy there said, hey, have you heard about the therapy dog program? And instantly the other detectives and I thought, it's a therapy dog for the detectives. Like that, we could use that so much, you know? And when I looked into it a little further, um, it's actually the Bavard County Sheriff's Office started the program here in Central Florida. Um, And what they do is is they were already doing it with, PTSD dogs, particularly for like veterans, uh, they had a detective that was going for his master's degree um, and he did his thesis on the therapeutic effects of therapy dogs with children that have been victims of crimes uh, and found uh, great results. Um, because if you can relax a child before you go to interview them, it's much better disclosure from them, which is better evidence for us. It makes the whole process a lot less traumatic for them. Um, and and it just sounded like an amazing program. So what they do in Brevard County, they, it's called the Pause and Stripes program uh, because they have um, the sheriff's office there is over both their jail and their animal control. So the sheriff's office will go to animal control and get what they think would be good therapy dogs. And they have inmates that are trained to train the dogs with basic obedience. They then give these uh, trained dogs for free to law enforcement agencies to use in their crimes against children unit. Um, I thought it sounded like an amazing idea. Um, I'm, I'm the senior detective. I've been there forever and I was really interested in doing it, but I had two dogs already, one being this puppy Murphy, and Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't want a third dog. So I called the program to ask, what if we have a dog already? Could we try to use it? So when I talked to them, they said, what kind do you have? And I said, well, I have a golden doodle. And they said, those are great dogs. We just don't get those at the shelter. Um, and they said, and particularly they're great because one, they don't shed, um, two, they're great with children. But the other big reason is this breed of dog happens to be hypoallergenic, which they said there's nothing worse than showing up on a scene with a cute dog to try to relax a child and the child's allergic to to dogs. So um, they said that that would be great. So the other thing they do when they go to give one of their dogs to an agency is they put on a course. It's called the Investigative Therapy Dog Course. Um, And it's a 40-hour course that you go down and you learn how to not only interact with your dog during interviews, but also um, by taking them, we took them to out a lot in public, like Home Depots, and we got to go into a restaurant and sit in a restaurant with them. And so it was really pretty cool. So um, once I found out all about the program, I um, are at the time our captain, I mean, our chief, she was a, a former canine handler 
for, I believe, at least 15 years. So she certainly knew of the therapeutic effects of therapy dogs. Um, so we, we, I, I did what's called a memo and we sent it up the chain trying to get my agency to start it. My sheriff said, uh, there's a therapy dog at my dentist. So he knew of a lot of the therapeutic effects of animals. And so they, they agreed with starting the program. So technically we, uh, Murphy was about 10 months old when it was first approved. And um, you're not allowed to use the dogs with children until they're a year old during interviews. So we began just bringing him to the sheriff's office um, getting him used to being socialized, which was really the biggest amount of training I think that yeah. the dogs need is just getting them used to being pet and being around people and um, and stuff like that. So that's that's how that's how we started. So it that's was pretty amazing. awesome. Yeah, oh, that's I, such a good journey. <laughs> it, is, it is. I joke because doing this job um, is not always easy. And I joked that nobody ever wanted my job until I had a cute dog I get to bring to work every day. And now and now it's awesome. So I love it. Yeah. And do you think um, so you said that the, the longest part of his training was just getting him used to being um, pet and handled? Did, did he get um, was what, what was difficult about it? Was it was it just like overwhelming for him or? Not at all. I mean, the biggest part is just, um, you know, he was still kind of a puppy. He's, he's still kind of like a puppy. He runs a little wild at times. And he really, um, he kind of runs the sheriff's office. There's there's multiple offices where the women have treats and he knows exactly who has them. And, um, so it's, it was just mostly, I mean, he's great with people petting him. I mean, that that's never been an issue. Uh, part of the 40-hour training is they also... Um, we go through the Alliance of Therapy Dogs to make him a registered therapy dog. So um, although we did the 40-hour school, then after that, we also had to go with an examiner with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. We had to go on three different occasions to nursing homes and have him go through the nursing homes. And uh, they have to watch as he interacts with people and and whatnot. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, I need more training than he does. So he's he's, he's not too bad. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I just was curious. I, I have a feeling um, the sheriff's office would not be the same without Murphy at this point. Yeah, no, it really it really isn't. It's it's very sweet to watch. And, you know, uh, he's meant for the children and the victims, but he's extremely therapeutic to the employees just at the sheriff's office. You know, we have um, deputies uh, that see some pretty horrible things sometimes. And uh, dispatchers. We were we were blessed one day to be up in dispatch, and a dispatcher was on a call. Uh, a man who had just shot his wife, and his children were on the phone, and we just happened to be there at the right time. So we literally sat next to the dispatcher, and she just pet Murphy as she continued to uh, do the dialogue with the. They were adult children, but um, until until the the deputies could get there. So. It was awesome just to be there for her. So, yeah, it's really been a blessing all around. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'm really excited to Thank delve you. deeper into, Thank you know, you what Murphy does. And yeah, stuff. definitely. Um, Jocelyn, I had a question for you. You know, as a victim advocate, have you ever worked with a therapy dog before or had a client with an emotional support animal? So I have personally never worked with a therapy dog before. Um, I will say that working at the Victim Service Center, this is kind of like my first um, 
field job after graduating. So, you know, I never really had any experience before. So I haven't gotten the opportunity to work with a therapy dog. Um, since being at the Victim Service Center, I don't believe that I've had a client that has had a therapy dog or a therapy animal. Uh, but one thing that I do notice a lot is when we ask our clients to identify their um, support systems, a lot of them do mention their pets and their animals. Um, you know, but after hearing the story, I really wish that I had a Murphy as a victim service. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, Murphy would be really nice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, so what do your clients, when they talk about their animals, um, what do they bring up as their support? What did, what did the animals do for them that helps support them? So one of the things that, you know, they identify their animals as being support systems, we kind of like to review who they identify their support system to be. We go through family, we go through friends, um, you know, coworkers. And the last field is actually very general. It says other support systems. And to me, it's really intriguing that others, they automatically go to pets or some of them even identify their animals and their pets as family members um, instead of that other category. But, you know, they say that they are always with them, that they're their fur babies. They provide that emotional support, um, that constant companionship and someone that they can just, you know, rely on. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I love that. Um, and and I find I find it really interesting that Susan, you know, Murphy came as your, you know, family member and then yeah. now is at the Osceola Sheriff's Office, so, which is really cool. Um, That's so so what, is, what is actually a typical day for you and Murphy and how does Murphy assist victims of crime? Okay, so... Um, we're, we get called out a lot. So, um, anytime I'm on a call out, Murphy comes with us. Um, I can tell you, I could tell you numerous stories, but, um, uh, I, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a couple of awesome things. So the very first time we got to use Murphy was, um, prior to his one year, we were still bringing him to the sheriff's office and letting him get used to being around people and socialize when, the two Kissimmee police officers were murdered. Um, and we had reached out, this incident happened on a Friday night and we reached out that Monday morning and um, said, hey, look, we have this therapy dog. Uh, he's in training right now. If you'd like, we could come by your agency and just walk around with them. And they they welcomed it, you know? And, and my husband at the time, well, he's still my husband, but my husband said, um, okay, I get the kids liking him, but what are the adults going to care? And my husband was a detective with us at the time as well. So I said, well, meet me down there and walk through with us. So um, it was it was amazing because, of course, they were hurting extremely because this was little so fresh. It had just happened Friday night. This was Monday morning. So we walked through, and, and Murphy wasn't even a year yet, so he was even cuter than he is now. But um, – the people just, we walk into a room and they just kind of melted. And then to tell them what he's going to be used for just made them melt even more. So we went all through every every room, uh, had a young girl that apparently had responded to the scene that night that just got on her knees and just hugged him for a while. And it was extremely moving. Uh, we went um, even through dispatch um, and, and all the dispatchers there and, and dispatchers struggle, I think even more because they have to just sit and hear it. They don't have the chance to be able to go. And, you know, so I think it's really hard, um, 
uh, for them as well. So it was awesome to be able to walk through and um, both both officers were buried that Thursday and they asked us to come back on Friday, um, which was neat to walk through again. And now they all knew him. So we would walk into a room and they would light up and they're like, Murphy's here. And it was just so moving um it really was and then even the some of the family of the deceased officers were there and just to see them smile at seeing a cute dog was just amazing so and my husband like ate all his words back like okay i get it now you know to to see how how amazing it was so um I can tell you a story about another our very first call out with Murphy was a little 10 year old girl um, and she had been sexually abused for two years by an uncle who lived in the home. And finally, one day she told um, another little girl in aftercare at her school uh, who then told the counselor and law enforcement was notified. So I show up at the school and when I get there, um, she is clutching her mom crying. Um, barely able to, you know, catch her breath and, you know, not excited to see another police officer. But then all of a sudden I pull this cute dog out of the car and she just stops crying. Um, and we go to the uh, child protection team in Osceola County and it's after hours. So she just kind of has a run of the place with Murphy and just for about 45 minutes, just plays with him and just forgets what tragedy is going on in her life right now and and it was awesome and so then she goes in to be interviewed the thing with therapy dogs uh, well with ours here through the sheriff's office is they're not allowed to be in the interview during the interview with the children um and one of the big reasons for that is i don't know i really don't know um defense attorneys in part uh they don't want anything that makes the child look more sympathetic uh, when it comes time to go to trial. So he's also not allowed in the courtroom in front of the jury when they're testifying. Um, but so uh, I will tell the kids, okay, Murphy's going to go take a nap while you talk to my friend who's the advocate, uh, the case coordinator, at the child protection team. And then you should be done talking to him by the time he's done with her nap and we'll meet back up again. And that's exactly what we did. And when she went in for that interview, at one point she said, I feel like I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to. And she stayed strong and she didn't shed a tear and was able to tell a very detailed account of what happened to her over the course of two years. Um, I then uh, now an interesting thing uh, is they actually say that you can use your therapy dogs during suspect interviews as well, uh, because it helps to relax the suspect a little more. Uh, it also they say that uh, I probably shouldn't reveal all my secrets, but they say that um, therapy dogs, when a, a suspect is petting a therapy dog, when they go to tell you a lie uh, like how they didn't do what they're accused of doing they can't concentrate on petting and telling the lie at the same time so that you will actually see their hands come off the dog they'll tell you their lie and then they go back on the dog so they said it's kind of like a mini lie detector test um, but to be honest with our suspects of sexual abuse we do a lot of um rapport building beforehand that by the time we get to the nitty gritty of what happened, Murphy's usually asleep on the floor. So uh, I don't get to, I have yet to be able to see that technique work. But um, so anyway, so this little girl, she just met uh, Murphy that one night. I meet with the uncle. Um, he gives a complete confession. He's the victim. He's 36 years old, but he's the victim. This poor little eight year old began to, to, 
to be aggressive with him, which is fine, you know, because at least he's talking and, and hopefully at the time I, I was hoping that that would keep this little girl from having to go to trial. But unfortunately, he was facing life in prison, so he did take it to trial. So the day that it went to go to court, we uh, responded to the courthouse and met with the little girl in the state attorney's office. And she didn't know we were coming because I never know we could get an in progress call. Um, and and so I, I didn't want her to know just in case something else came up. But um, this, again, was our first victim that we'd ever you know, used Murphy with. So we had a special place in our heart. Not that they all don't. But uh, so we show up and we walk in this excuse me, we walk in this room and this little girl lights up and she cries out Murphy and she runs over and she throws her arms around him. And her mom turns to me and says, all I've heard all week was how much she hoped Murphy would be here. And then the little girl turns to me and says, I've been praying to God every night for Murphy to be here for me today. And right there, I was like, oh, it is so worth it, you know. And that was just our our first little victim. And she went on that stand in front of her uncle and was a rock star and said exactly what happened to her and didn't shed a tear. Uh, We stayed with her the entire day. We actually gave her and her mom a ride home by the end of the day. And um, her uncle is now doing life in prison, which is where he belongs. So, Wow, that's a wonderful story. Thanks so much for sharing it. Sure. Um, yeah, I, it sounds like Murphy makes a huge difference for a lot of victims of crime. Um, so what a first uh, uh, victim to work with uh, Murphy. That is amazing. Isn't that what neat? A, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. Uh, Jocelyn, um, you know, as a dog owner myself, I can definitely see a difference in my mood when I'm around my, um, my animal. Um, so can you explain a bit about the science behind why our animals calm us down so much. I think we went over it a little bit, but I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to share. Yeah, absolutely. So animals um, have the ability to make us feel better and they actually have a positive effect on our overall health as well. Um, Because when we interact with animals, the level of our oxytocin hormones actually increase. Um, So to briefly touch base on what, you know, oxytocin hormones are, um, they are known as the cuddle and love hormones of the body. So they actually prohibit the production of the stress hormones to enter while they're kind of in effect. So this is why we tend to be and feel in an overall better mood around animals. Um, because they lower the amount of stress that we feel and increase that comfort level for us. So just like you, um, I have, you know, a puppy as well. And when I'm on call, and it's been a really, really stressful case, I come home and I just see him and he's so excited. And I'm just like, Oh, hello. And I just forget about the case that I was just on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Susan, what is the difference between a therapy dog and a service animal? And are all therapy animals dogs or are there other kind of therapy animals out there? Uh, So a a service dog um, is a dog that provides the handler, that particular person, a service. So they have dogs that can detect cancer, can detect diabetes, can detect seizures, they can detect all kinds of different things. Um, so, or, or even just um, panic attacks, 
that kind of a service dog. Uh, a therapy dog provides a, a therapy for, not, not that he isn't very therapeutic for myself, but you know, he provides a service for others. So that's, that's my knowledge of the main big difference between, you know, a, a support or service animal provides for that actual person. Um, and then emotional support dogs are different from service dogs and, and service dogs have a lot of regulations, um, that they have to go through. Um, service dogs are the ones that, uh, you cannot discriminate. They do need to be allowed to be taken anywhere. And then um, emotional support. I think every dog is like an emotional support dog, you know. And um, I've heard of numerous different types of therapy pets, a pig. Uh, a, a, there's a mini horse here in Osceola that shows up at a, at occasions. We actually, um, one of the things that we've been doing for the past couple of years is Valencia Community College actually has um, at their midterms and their finals, they um, like during that week, they have little uh, therapeutic events. So they will have like tents set up. They have people with massages and um, all kinds of like snacks and stuff. And then the other big thing that they have is um, Murphy and I go, and then uh, we have one of our mounted patrol horses. Um, that comes out as well so that the students can come out and love and pet on them and kind of relax after or before their testing. Perfect. Getting in that oxytocin that Jocelyn yes. Very, very cool. Uh, Jocelyn, what effects does stress or being in crisis have on the body from your experience and knowledge? Um, so I will say that this is going to be sort of a lengthy answer. Um, to the effects that it has on the body. So there are definitely short-term and long-term effects that stress or just being in crisis in general can have on the body. Um, when we experience a stressful event or a crisis, our brain immediately tells our body to release stress hormones um, as a way to sort of cope with the threat or the danger um, related to this stressful event or the crisis that you know we're experiencing so one of the stress hormones that the body releases is adrenaline and when adrenaline um, is released it causes the short-term effects um, on the body and this includes heart rates um, you know becoming faster breathing becoming rapid and blood pressure increasing so those are the common short-term effects that people tend to experience. Um, the long-term effects of stress on the body um, tend to actually happen when the body experiences the short-term effects um, continuously. And the long-term effects can include um, effects on our respiratory system, our immune system, our muscles, um, and many other things as well. Got it. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I've heard also that, yeah, the, the long-term effects of being in, a maybe like flashbacks, those kinds of things as well, mm -hmm. um, can really affect, um, the body's natural reaction to stress where is it true that maybe, um, someone who's gone through trauma might, um, experience feeling as though they're going through that situation again or having a hard time coping that kind of thing yeah absolutely um you know we do run our 24 7 um sexual assault helpline and a lot of the calls that we get are people that are 
experiencing like a panic attack or anxiety because they are reminiscing on the trauma that they, you know, endured in the past. And it's like as if they explain it, they can still sense it as if it was happening to them in that moment. Thank you so much for shedding light on that. Uh, Susan, I wanted to ask, we kind of went over a lot of it, um, but just in case there was anything else you wanted to add about, you know, what kind of training is required for a therapy animal? So, so if they're like a registered therapy animal, there's, um, I, I'm very fortunate that I get to use Murphy in the capacity every day through work. Um, but regularly, if, um, you know, people could just go on, like there's the Alliance Therapy Dog website, and it actually shows you what the test is. And then there's even a roster of uh, examiners that you could contact. Um, and then what you do is you're required to do um, like every, like once a month at least, I, I honestly, I'm not sure exactly how much, but I know you have to, like every quarter at least, you have to put in um, what what you used him for. So uh, my dad used to be in a nursing home, so we would even take him to the nursing home and, and let him socialize there. So um, I belong to a group, a Zen Dog Therapy uh, group, and we actually... Um, do a lot of it's all all most all the dogs are through the alliance of therapy dogs as well but we um we do a lot of events uh we we've been uh, lately some of the stuff we've been doing with covid going on is going to nursing homes and walking the outside with our dogs so uh that the residents can see us through the window um and it's very sweet it's a little emotional because they'll come up with pictures of their own dogs and uh and hold them at the window and some of them have cried and uh it's just extremely touching but um we're very blessed to be a part of this our little zen dog group that um is able to still do uh, some therapeutic things outside of outside of work as well. I'm really glad that you were able to do that, even despite you know COVID happening and all of that. Um, yeah. that's that sounds really great that you were able to do that. So thank, thank you. you so much, uh, Jocelyn. You know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about how healing is not linear and it looks different for everyone. So how do you think dogs and other trained animals could help survivors and victims of trauma? Yeah, so overall, I think dogs um, and other trained animals help survivors and victims of trauma because they help reduce, you know, the stress and the anxiety of the trauma that they experienced while also providing comfort and support to these survivors and victims. What I personally notice, um, you know, in the healing journey of many of the survivors and victims that we work with is they have this fear or this difficulty um, of developing trust again, um, or an attachment to someone. Um, so I think that a dog or any other trained animal is a secure support system for them, um, you know, that they can definitely trust and establish a healthy attachment with them. I didn't even think of that aspect of it, um, kind of that, that, lo that loss of trust um, that a lot of survivors may face during their healing journey and how dogs could assist with that and other therapy animals. So that's really cool. Thanks so much. Um, Susan, I wanted to check in with you. If there's any common misconceptions about emotional support animals or animals used for therapeutic purposes that you wanted to address. Um, I, I don't, I don't know too many uh, misconceptions per se. I know a lot of people who have, uh, 
wanted to be able to take their dogs wherever they go. So they automatically say it's an emotional support dog and they feel that they should uh, be able to take them wherever they want. And uh, I think part of the problems that we run into some of those is we get some people that their dogs aren't always very well behaved. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, we had a call a while ago and it was a lady that was extremely angry and because they weren't allowing her into this facility um, where she had this emotional support dog. Um, but the problem was she was in there once before and her dog was trying to bite and attack people. And so that's why they didn't let the dog back in. But, um, you know, and so it's really important to get your dog the proper training so that, um, and it's really not, it's really, I hate to put Murphy down at all, but it's really not that hard, you know, <laughs> like uh, if, if Murphy, Murphy's just a very happy-go-lucky dog and just a sweet dog and a well, well-mannered dog. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not as difficult as it might seem. I remember you saying also that Murphy's particular breed was really um, ideal as well. So I don't know, um, is, are there some breeds that you think couldn't be therapy dogs? Or do you think like all animals could, like if you really wanted your dog to be an emotional support dog or something like that, I don't know if you can speak to this, but do you think that there are any that like, oh, maybe that just wouldn't be perfect for them? Not a good fit for that particular dog. Like they're too energetic instead of like calming, if that makes sense. Right. I, I think, um, I think it just depends on the breed and depends on you, you, you know, people knowing their dog and a lot about how the dog is raised. I know a lot of people have a lot of fears and misconceptions about pit bulls, for example, and, and get fearful just to see one. But I, I believe it's truly in how the pit bull has been raised. There are some sweetheart pit bulls out there that would make amazing uh, therapy dogs. I know there's dogs like uh, uh, Jack Russell's who are extremely intelligent, but they're extremely hyperactive too. So um, it just, I think it's just a matter of like knowing your dog and knowing if, um, they're able to be calm when they need to be calm and, uh, and not, not having aggression, I think is just one of the biggest factors in all of it. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jocelyn, I wanted to ask you if someone does not have the benefit of seeing a therapy dog or having an emotional support animal, how could they self soothe? When it, comes to self-soothing, um, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that not every self-soothing technique or exercise um, will work for everyone. So I think it's very important to be aware, you know, of our own mind and body when practicing self-soothing techniques so we can figure out exactly what works and what doesn't work for us. Um, you know, that being said, some of the self-soothing techniques or strategies that I would recommend um, definitely conscious breathing. We use this one a lot, you know, when someone is feeling overly stressed or just a lot of anxiety, we tell them to take a couple of minutes, practice some deep breathing, um, you know, or even when someone is in a state of crisis and just crying um, in order to calm them down, we have them take some deep breaths as well. This can be however long it takes for them to calm down and recenter themselves. Another good, um, self-soothing technique I like to use with my clients is positive self-talk, um, especially working, you know, with survivors and victims of sexual assault. A lot of them will tend to sort of put the blame on themselves first. So I just like 
to highlight the importance of just, you know, positive self-talk, knowing that nothing that they did was their fault um, or any like negative emotions that they may feel about themselves or just any emotions in general that aren't that positive, you know, talking them through it, letting them know that they're not that um, adjective or emotion they make themselves to be. Um, and then two more is just simply doing, um, you know, anything that you enjoy doing, listening to music, cooking, reading, um, walking, exercising, whatever it is that brings you joy um, into your life. And then last one, um, I think it's just important to know who your support systems are. If you feel like none of these self-soothing techniques are really working for you and you just want to vent or just talk to someone about it, definitely reach out to your support systems or any warm line or, you know, emotional um, helpline out there. Awesome. And it's always good to remind everyone that we have that 24-hour helpline, 407-500-HEAL, H-E-A-L, um, so that you can always reach out to us as well. So thanks so much, Jocelyn. Uh, Susan, I just have a couple of more questions. And you did share a wonderful success story already. Do you have any others that come to mind when you think of using Murphy um, to help victims of crime that you wanted to share? Um, I could... I could talk for hours about the cool things I've had the opportunity to see with Murphy. So I'm going to try to condense two, two little stories. So um, one was we were at the Child Advocacy Center in Orlando, um, and we were there for a different case. And as I was leaving, there was a little boy in the lobby area, um, and he was sitting with a DCF worker, and he looked over, and he was probably about six or seven years old. And Murphy's a big dog. He's the size of, uh, you know, he's a golden retriever mixed with a standard poodle. So um, his eyes just were like popping out of his head at, at the sight of Murphy from across the room. So I turned back around. I was about to walk out the door, but I was like, I have to go see this little boy. So I went over there. Um, and back when I first started using Murphy, I, I had little treats that I kept with me all the time. So I would let children give him treats. And one of the things that they had to do is they had to make Murphy work for it. So he had to either sit... Uh, lay down or shake. And so um, I asked the little boy if he would like to give Murphy a treat. And he said that he would. So I gave him a treat and I told him, you know, tell him to sit. And he said it real soft. And I said, and Murphy didn't do it because it was so soft. And I said, say it louder. So he said it louder with command and Murphy, thank goodness, sat right away. Um, and the little boy's eyes just lit up and he looked all around um, like, did anybody see this? And he gave him the treat. So I said, you know, would you like to give him another one? And he was very excited and said that he would. And so I said, okay, how about this time you make him shake? And he said, okay. And so uh, he says it again, really soft. And then we said, you know, okay, say it, say it louder. And he's like, shake. And right away, Murphy's paw came right up to shake his. And he, again, just lit up and was looking around to see who could have seen this, you know? And I said, oh my gosh, you are amazing. I said, you are like a dog trainer. And he was like, I know, I know, roll over, roll over. And Murphy didn't know roll over. So uh, I was like, oh man. But one of the amazing things in this short little encounter was this little boy's parents had just both been arrested by the police for domestic battery on each other. And so his feelings towards law enforcement in that moment were not good. And I felt so honored that we were able to come over. And even though it was just for a few minutes that he was able to see a police officer and a police dog in a good light and have this good positive moment. And so one of the big things that 
having a therapy dog at the sheriff's office helps to do is to bridge that gap um, especially in our community right now, the feelings towards law enforcement are not good. Um, and and it's, it's hard to resist a cute dog, though. So uh, I can pull up and get him out of the car, and they could not like me, but they like my dog, you know. Um, and so it helps to, it helps to heal uh, some of the, the hurt feelings and the turmoil going on going on right now, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, the other story was a young girl who had been a victim of a stepfather. Um, and she, I had never met her in person. She lived out of state. Um, I had numerous phone calls to her. She was extremely traumatized about things that her stepfather had done the summer prior, um, and was going through extensive therapy just to be able to be interviewed, um, to talk about what happened. And so, um, a lot of our job as detectives is, is, you know, pseudo counselors and trying to talk through what they've been through and whatnot. Um, so I had talked to her a lot on the phone, had never met her. The case went to go to trial. Um, so she comes down, uh, her mom came down and her sister came down as well, her adult sister, they were witnesses for the case. So, um, I had to testify the same day that they did. Uh, I'm not allowed to bring Murphy on the stand with me, so I didn't bring Murphy to work that day because sometimes I could be in the courthouse for, uh, you know, on the stand for 45 minutes or for hours. So I didn't want to leave him sitting in the car all that time, although we have an AC unit in the car and an alarm and everything, so he's safe. But um, so uh, we were in this little tiny room um, just outside the courtroom with the state attorney and her mom and her sister and her. And we start talking and the victim at the amazing victim advocate for the state attorney's office starts telling her about Murphy. Um, and one of the other things that Murphy has is what every dog should have. He has his own social media. So uh, Murphy has his own Facebook and Instagram account. So this young lady had Instagram. So she, in the time that we're waiting, she goes on Instagram and is checking out all of his pictures, um, which there's like, 1200 or something. So there's a lot. So she's going through all of them. It's kind of taking her mind, you know, Murphy's not even there, but he's helping to take her mind off of things. And her mom goes in to testify and her mom comes out and she's been crying. It's obvious she's crying on the stand. And you could just see this young lady is just ready to throw up. You know, her sister goes in and testifies um, and she comes back and she's been crying too. So this poor lady, is, this poor young lady is just absolutely terrified. So then they had me get up on the stand and I testified. And then they decided that they were going to break for lunch before, after lunch, she was going to uh, come back on and testify. And so I said, okay, I have to go home. Uh, and get Murphy, you know, and she had said, like, I'm going to be Murphy's biggest fan. Like she was so excited at his pictures and everything. So I said, okay, I have to go home, get Murphy, come back and surprise her. I mean, I didn't tell her I was doing it, but I'm going to come back and surprise her. So uh, I went home and I got him. But by the time I got back, she was on the stand testifying. Uh, and it was an extremely as as would be an extremely emotional testimony. And they actually took a break for her to be able to get off the stand and come compose herself. So here we are in this little room, mom, sister, advocate, and she comes in this room and the first thing she sees is Murphy and she cries out Murphy and she lays on the ground holding him for probably the longest, you know, 10 minutes 
just crying, just holding him. And it was the most amazing experience to be able to witness, you know, my, my cute boy just making this young lady feel good, you know. She then went back on that stand and, and didn't shed a single tear. Um, and now stepdad is is doing life in prison as well. Um, but what what's amazing is, uh, you know, to have to have these amazing experiences. Like I said, I could talk all day about them. But the other thing that's really cool is a lot of young kids that come in contact with them that don't necessarily have social media. They have their parents uh, who will get on and continue to follow Murphy on social media. Um, Murphy is uh, the sheriff's office has. Um, there's Christmas parades in Osceola County, um, three different ones, St. Cloud, Point Siena, and Kissimmee every year. So uh, the last three years, the theme has been the Grinch that stole Christmas. So Murphy dresses as the Grinch's dog, Max. Uh, and we go through the parade and we throw dog treats out to people with dogs along the parade route. Uh, we have a little banner on the side of the truck that says that he's our therapy dog with his Instagram or Facebook if people want to check him out. Uh, we throw birthday parties for him at uh, Animal Control um, on his birthday. We have like a crazy, uh, more than my kids, that he gets a bigger birthday party. But uh, uh, one of the great things is Australia County Animal Control offers discounted rates for people to adopt pets during his birthday party. So the the first year during his little birthday party, there were 12 dogs and cats adopted during his birthday party, uh, which was pretty awesome. And, um, and then last year was right after the hurricane, so they didn't have as many dogs there. So there were only about five adopted, but they said that 12 was like a record for a day adoption that they had had at that point. So um, it's awesome to be able to use him for that regard. We go to lots of schools uh, prior to COVID this past school year. Um, there was a program where we would go in once a week and we have a little girl that uh, reads to us. Um, so she would sit and read with Murphy and I which is really awesome. Uh, one of the schools lost uh, a young teacher, was in a car accident to a second grade class. And so we were asked to come to the school and uh, I'm an emotional person, which is not a good thing doing this job, you know, but um, so uh, it was, we walked into this room and the principal and a counselor uh, were in the room and they had just told the children, they told their parents the day before, but they were just discussing it now for the first time with the kids. So we walk in and they're sitting in like a half circle with their backs to the door and not a dry face in the room. And these kids see Murphy though, and they just lit up. And I had run Murphy really good that morning. So he went, I needed him very calm. So we went in and just, he just laid down in the middle of the kids and they just pet him. And, and we explained that we didn't know their teacher. Can you tell us some stories? And we just watched their faces light up and tell us different stories. And then they went from there into um, writing letters actually to the young lady's parents telling them how much their teacher had meant to them which was pretty amazing but the principal had said like we couldn't have come at a more perfect time because uh, it was right at the end of them disclosing to them and just kind of they said to see the looks on their faces when this cute dog came walking in the door was just awesome it's awesome so we've been I can't count uh, the awesome stories we've gotten to have in the last three years.
That's amazing. Wow. I loved hearing all of that. And Thank if you. someone, uh, maybe me, uh, would like to follow Murphy <laughs> on Instagram, uh, how would how would you find it? Asking for a friend. Asking. Okay. For okay. Tell your friend. Um, on Instagram, it's uh, the, the letter K, the number nine, and then Murphy. Um, on Facebook, we couldn't get uh, the number nine. So it's K-N-I-N-E Murphy. Oh, okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited to, to look at all of those pictures. It'll be wonderful. Awesome. Um, so Jocelyn, I had a question for you. Um, as a crisis counselor at the Victim Service Center, you interact with clients almost on a daily basis who are in immediate crisis following a tra- traumatic event. So how does trauma impact the brain and what behaviors do we see as a result of that that maybe a therapy dog could help with? I think we kind of delved into this question. Did you have anything else you wanted to add by chance? Um, yeah. So, again, you know, we briefly touched on this um, on one of the questions before. But, you know, my specific role with the Victim Service Center, um, I'm the advocate that responds to acute cases, which are essentially, you know, um, individuals that have been recently sexually assaulted um, within a 120 hour window and that need a forensic collection. So that's my role. Um, so because everything, you know, is so recent um, in the trauma is so recent um they're still you know within that state of crisis and you know like i said before um just experiencing stress or crisis can lead to those short-term effects um heart rate you know beating faster difficulty um with breathing or breathing rapidly um so you know just with a therapy dog um present and you know hopefully we get to plug that in and maybe we get one who knows uh, I feel like you know they will be able to release that oxytocin that I talked about earlier uh, which will help provide um, that individual with comfort and sort of prevent any further stress and help them um, de-escalate from that state of crisis that they're in. Yeah, because I, I thank you for shedding light on that, because I think, um, you know, when someone calls, you know, the helpline or when you do go and meet the um, the survivor um, there at the SATC, the Sexual Assault Treatment Center or wherever, I think your main role sometimes is, is it de-escalating the crisis at that moment? And how, how is that process usually? I definitely depends on, you know, where that individual is. Um, I'm not going to lie. I have some cases where they present themselves to be very calm. They're very, um, you know, cooperating with me. They sign all the paperwork. They understand the process. I have some, you know, individuals that come in and they're overwhelmed with emotion. So essentially our um, job is to get them to de-escalate in a sense, be sort of in a state where they are calm um, before they get into the room with our nurse that will do the forensic collection because we want them to, you know, be able to tell the nurse exactly what happened, where the evidence needs to be collected from, and just be more at ease during that whole process. Um, You know, the forensic collection itself um, can be somewhat uncomfortable for you know someone right off the bat who has experienced the sexual assault um, incident 
So that's what we do. Um, we'll go through a lot of, you know, self-soothing techniques that I talked about. Um, some people just want to talk. Some people, you know, want to know what will happen next. So just letting them know that we're there to advocate for them and we're going to be there every step of the way. Um, and, you know, just encourage them to move forward is what provides a lot of comfort for them. Awesome. I can see exactly why a therapy dog or animal would be helpful in that process. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. Susan, I wanted for as a final question, how do you know if you could benefit from a therapy dog or emotional support service animal? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think anybody can, uh, benefit, you know, as, as long as you like animals, you know, if you don't like animals then obviously it's not going to do anything for you, but as long as you like animals, um, I think, and it doesn't have to be a dog. It doesn't have to be, you know, we have fish, uh, that are kind of neat to watch and can be very, um, soothing just to watch them. My, my kids, uh, suckered me into getting tadpoles and so we just raised a bunch of tadpoles which I don't recommend uh, uh, but you know it was kind of neat to talk to them and watch them grow and and then release them so um, I think any and every animal is is therapeutic so if you can find something that you enjoy um, that you can afford I mean that's a big one because I, I hate if people get animals that they can't afford you know dogs uh, a lot of these animals take a lot of need shots and need all of that. So, and there, there's a lot of discounted places now that give shots much cheaper than they used to. So, um, and, and as long as you're going to, um, I know some people get pets and they just leave them outside and don't really do anything with them. So I don't recommend that either, but you know, I think anyone, I, I, I get a lot of people who call me about wanting therapy dogs for their special needs children. And I especially think that that is a huge source of therapy for, for kids. So I highly recommend it. Awesome. Thank you. I think like with everything that we've been kind of discussing on this podcast throughout, which is, you know, self-care is individual, healing is individual. And so it really depends on, you know, what animal you would, you know, benefit from, or maybe not, maybe, you know, you, you definitely, it seems like you definitely have to have that self-reflection. So I really Correct. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I think that that's a wonderful place to kind of sign off here. So thank you um, to the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org and to everyone listening healing is not linear and you are not alone and thank you so so much Jocelyn and Susan for joining me today thank you